0: Hey, everybody. Before we start this week's episode, I just want to quickly jump in and say, first and foremost, thank you so much for listening to the show. It's really exciting to Dave and I that people are actually listening to and enjoying these stories that we're telling. Second of all, I just wanted to quickly remind everybody that if you like the show and if you enjoy what you're hearing, please go to the Apple Podcast app and give us a five-star rating and review. Whether you actually listen to us on Apple Podcasts or if you don't, but you do have an Apple ID and it's convenient for you to do so, just go onto the Apple Podcast app and give us that five-star rating and review. It really helps out small upstart shows like ours to get a lot of buzz around our ratings and reviews in the beginning and we'd be really appreciative plus moving forward from this episode on we will read all of the five-star rating and reviews that we get every week on the show and we might even do something special with it that i can't spoil right now
1: i'm dave baker and i'm andrew price welcome to deep cuts the podcast where we pick a topic and walk you through the ins outs and nitty-gritty so you can appear like an interesting and idiosyncratic person at your next forced social function Today's topic is... Sophia Stewart. Who is Sophia Stewart? She
0: was someone who, in 1999, bought a ticket to see The Matrix, sat in the dark theater, and she felt an odd sense of deja vu. Was she trapped in The Matrix? Or was The Matrix actually a plagiarized
1: story based on her work, The Third Eye? In 2003, Sophia Stewart sued the Wachowskis, Joel Silver, and Warner Brothers, claiming that The Matrix was, in fact, stolen. (laughs) Every good story has a point of view character. A protagonist, a narrator. Sometimes these characters are just and true. Other times, they're more mercurial and you're not sure which side of the fault line of not quite a piece of shit they call home. For this episode, we're going to follow the events from Sophia's point of view. Is she a trustworthy narrator? Well, we'll have to see as the events unfold.
0: Sophia Stewart has never revealed her age. She doesn't like to talk about her past too much. All we know about her personal history is that she's originally from Brooklyn, New York. She was married and has two children. Her career is as a paralegal and for an extended period of time she worked in tax preparation. In 1983, Sophia finished a 120-page manuscript for a story she titled The Third Eye. The story is a near-future science fiction tale about a chosen one helping humanity regain its footing after a nuclear holocaust has ensued. She copyrighted it the following year. It then languished for
1: another two years. Did she submit it to publishers? Did she self-sabotage? Was she too afraid of success to really attempt to find a publisher for her magnum opus, AKA the first novel she had ever written? Well, it appears as though she didn't quite figure out what to do with it originally. Self-publishing was a lot harder in the 80s and she couldn't quite wrap her head around how to get it into the hands of editors or publishers. However, all that changed. In 1986, Sophia Stewart saw an ad in a national newspaper asking for manuscripts. This ad had been run by the Wachowskis. They wanted to start turning stories into comics and movies. She mailed it to them, but never heard from them again. Smash cut to
0: 1999. Sophia is watching her story play out on screen. How could this have happened and she didn't receive any credit or money? So she sued the Wachowskis, Joel Silver, Warner Brothers, Fox, Oh, and James Cameron as well, because apparently the Terminator franchise also ripped off from the same book. These people had stolen her life's work. They needed to pay. One billion. Yes, the lawsuit was for a billion dollars. The case was heard in June of 2005 in a
1: district court in California. The now Salt Lake City, Utah-based Sophia Stewart traveled to Los Angeles and represented herself in opening statements she had submitted three documents as her evidence. A 120-page draft of the manuscript, a 47-page screen treatment, and a story bible that included character descriptions, an outline, and a table of contents. table of contents. A table of contents. When asked how old she was during the initial phase of the trial, Stewart replied, We are all timeless and ageless. She also pointed out, The Oracle is me. I wrote myself into the work. When speaking to the LA Times,
0: Stewart also repeatedly impugned the Wachowskis' ability to create the Matrix. On the topic, she said, I'm the kind of master writer that comes once upon this earth. You don't go from doing a mediocre movie to a work of genius like the Matrix. And shockingly, Sophia Stewart was awarded a settlement of literally a billion dollars. She won. The good guys actually came out on top. The underdog triumphed against the army of lawyers with pointed teeth and receding hairlines. Except that every single detail about Sophia Stewart's claim about the outcome and the proceedings of the court case, everything we've told you up
1: until now, was a complete and utter lie. A fabrication. Sophia Stewart didn't show up to the Los Angeles courthouse on the day that her case was officially dismissed. June 13th saw Judge Margaret Morrow read a 53-page ruling that expelled any possibility of plagiarism or theft. And that's where the story ends, right? No. Sophia Stewart then went to work. She started approaching every possible news outlet to cover the fact that she had received a massive financial settlement.
0: Initially, none of them bit. But then on October 28th, the Salt Lake Community College's Globe ran an article on its website with the shocking text, Mother of the Matrix Victorious. The story was written by a second year communications student. It reported that Stewart is about to receive one of the largest payouts in modern history and that the fact that the case had received no widespread media coverage was a sham and spoke to a larger issue with our society. Stewart is quoted in the article as saying that Warner Brothers is suppressing the story because they own 95% of the news outlets and they don't want egg on their face. She claimed that AOL Time Warner owns the New York Times, the Los Angeles Times, Newsweek, and DreamWorks, when
1: the reality is they don't own a single one of those organizations. Within a week, the Globe had realized that the story was false and that there was no way she had won the case. But by that point, it didn't matter. Sophia Stewart was the mother of the Matrix. The internet got a hold of the story, passed around on message boards, mailing lists, and chat rooms. People love a good conspiracy. And this was a great one. The Globe issued another correction in a follow-up article explaining how Sophia Stewart had in fact not won the case, but it didn't matter. It only made things worse. It looked to the people on Stewart's side like there was a cover-up happening. And then it made the jump to radio. First people on college stations
0: and public access shows, then to slightly more reputable late-night stations in New York and San Francisco. It was a full-blown conspiracy at this point and Sophia Stewart was doing everything in her power to stoke it. She would give interviews to anyone that would listen. One interview quoted her as saying,
1: it's all about the Benjamins, but it's really all about justice. Sophia Stewart is still on the warpath, all these years later. She's still beating the drums of, I was robbed. In the intervening 20 years, she's put out three books, all of which revolve around the third eye, how she got screwed, and how she beat the system. You'd think with having a billion dollars, she'd be a little bit of a happier person. But to this day, the conspiracy around the third eye and Sophia Stewart still pops up online, even though it's been debunked. Ugh, that sentence is clunky as fuck. It's almost <laughs> like this is a first draft that I... <laughs> <laughs> it's almost like you wrote six of these in two days. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to this day, there's still a conspiracy around the third eye and Sophia Stewart. There are two groups of thought on the matter. Some people believe that she's lying... Some people still believe that she is the mother of the Matrix.
0: There's so much that I want to unpack about this. Yeah, like in reading deeper into this story, I I think I nearly had an an existential crisis (laughs) and it, what do you mean by that? Why? The the deeper I, I dug into this story, just the more it blew my mind and just made me kind of like scared for the, just to be able to feel like I'm living in a rational world where, uh, any semblance of reality can be agreed upon by more than one person. Um, and the, uh, the, the idea of it was almost like an eldritch horror to me. Um, because as you read this, like, it, it goes, like, you want to say this lady is insane, but that's almost underselling what she's done here. And the only, the only way that this, the only saving grace of this is that, like, at the end of the day, her impact on the world was very minimal. It's not like people are like it's not like most people even know about this, let alone believe her. But in terms of like what she did, uh it's just scary because it's not that she It's not that she lied. Like she didn't it, it, she didn't lie and then get caught. She. There are people to this day right now that believe that she won a billion dollars and there's nothing you can do to convince them otherwise. Yep. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's, it's, you know, when I was, I knew that she existed. I, I, you know, came across the conspiracy theory, you know, in high school or whatever, almost around the time it was happening. Um, one, cause I love the Wachowskis and their work. And two, I like conspiracy shit. So weird stuff, ends up crossing a path if you will can we take a pit stop pun intended
0: and talk about how great of a movie speed racer is dude i fucking
1: love speed racer i love that movie i love that movie it's so fucking great yes i agree and it's one of those movies where i saw it
0: in theaters and it got critically panned didn't make a whole lot of money at the box office everybody around me said it sucked
1: And I was just like, I don't see the same thing you were all seeing. Yeah. Yeah. Bound is great. I love Bound. Obviously, The Matrix. Love The Matrix. I like Matrix Reloaded a lot. Most people hate it. Revolutions. It's fine. There's some cool stuff in it, but overall, eh, it's okay. Um, Speed Racer, I love. Cloud Atlas, I hated every second of it. (laughs) It's racist and repugnant on a deeply spiritual level. I really don't like it. And then, of course, their magnum opus, which I I am sort of joking when I say that, but for me, I think I like it just as much as The Matrix is Doc Frankenstein. I love... Their comic. Oh, yeah. Steve Scores, Wachowskis. (coughs) I co-created with Jeff Darrow. I fucking love that comic. So all of that to say...
0: I think that is all relevant because it speaks to it speaks to a big part of the story, which is that, you know, stuff like the the quote from Sophia Stewart, where she said, the deeper the full the full context of that quote uh, that we that you read earlier, um, is she was talking about the fact that the Wachowskis made one movie and it sucked. And then they made the Matrix, and it was like a masterpiece, and that was proof that they didn't write it, because nobody goes from making some shitty, mediocre movie to making like something as great as the Matrix. Um, and it's just, it just speaks to the way that a person, whether on purpose as a calculative manipula- calculated mani- manipulation, or as just a complete unself-aware. Um. Uh, sort of uh, just manifesting things into reality based on your own ignorance um, can make a group of people believe something just by the gaps in their own knowledge and just making that sweeping statement of like like basically in interviews like she says that the Wachowskis don't know how to write; they've never written anything, and uh, they'll in interviews they'll refuse to ever say the words that they wrote the Matrix because if they were to say that in an interview, it would be uh, it would be uh, like evidence to be used against them in a court of law. <laughs> so they so they avoid ever saying or acknowledging that they um, wrote the Matrix and that. They aren't writers, they're directors. They can make a movie and make it look good, but they don't know how to write. And the only way that you could ever believe that is if you just didn't know any of the Wachowskis' other body of work, which most people don't. Most people don't really have that connection with movies where they're like, oh, the filmmaker that made this. And like, what are the other things that they've made? So most people that know about The Matrix, they don't, they have no idea that Doc Frankenstein exists. So they have no idea that, yeah, they do write. They write things like this all the time. Uh, And also, they definitely have said that they've written The Matrix in interviews. All the time.
1: All the time. That's just a lie. On the DVDs for the first Matrix. Yeah, that's just a
0: lie that you only would believe if you just take it at face value and do no additional research to debunk that in a single Google search. Yeah. Um. And the way that, she, like, for me, it's like, how far down does the rabbit hole go? Like, no pun at, intended. Oh yeah, I I genuinely didn't even think about that. That is literally a line from The Matrix. Yep. That's a total coincidence. Um, but how far does the rabbit hole go on this? Uh, on this, grift, like. Did she really write the book in the '80s?
1: Because we know, like, well, the interesting thing is that the research that I've that I did says that she she tried to copyright it in '82 or '83. So I bet you could find out if it actually was copywritten in '83 or whatever the fuck it was. I will say that her Amazon listings because she publishes she self publishes books under the um under the self publishing company name of All Eyes on Me Productions which I choose to believe that she has never heard the Tupac record yeah. All Eyes on Me <laughs> but I really want it to just be like she's a massive Tupac fan and she's doing this all to like in some way connect to his you know well, the Legacy. thing is,
0: I she does know about Tupac because there's a thing that I'll talk about later. But like she references Tupac in this interview. Oh, really? And she uses him as part of her Weird overall conspiracy? narrative. Yeah. But I believe that she's never actually heard a single Tupac song. She just knows of him and utilizes him as part of her narrative. I love it. And the other thing is the crazy, like there's this, I listen to this 30 minute podcast and I don't want to, as much as I want to call this podcast out, I don't want to dox these people or be like, here's the name of the podcast as much as I want to, but I won't. But there's a podcast and it's a tiny little podcast. Like we're literally like, they have a YouTube channel and the channel has 600 subscribers. It's like a non-existent, not a real podcast. I say, as we're recording a podcast that currently has zero listeners because we haven't launched it yet <laughs> um uh and she was on this not only was she she wasn't on this by phone she's there like this is oh a, shit she's in person yeah this video podcast it takes place in this person's house i guess on this couch and she's there she came to this person's house to be on this tiny podcast that probably gets like 20 listens per episode
1: dude can we please record a follow up where we interview her
0: We'll I'll get to that in a second of why I feel like what my thoughts are on that. So she's going through all this stuff. And a lot of it is just repetition of these things we've already covered. She says the same thing over and over again. She's been saying the same shit in interviews. Yeah, it's since, stump speech. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but also in this interview, a part of her narrative, which is, and I feel a little uncomfortable talking about this part because it's kind of breaching into territory where it's like, you know i'm i'm not necessarily an authority figure on being able to talk about this nor am i really kind of nor is it my place to really comment on this but the 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 part of her narrative and her grift that is so kind of terrifying is the way that she utilize she she exploits uh she exploits um adjacent concepts and narratives to reinforce her own. So, you know, if, if it hasn't been said already, if we haven't acknowledged this or given our opinion yet, this whole thing is a complete lie.
1: Yeah. It's, 100%. She's, she's lying out the ass. Yeah. It's now her identity. She's fabricated this persona that she wrote a book concocted this environment environment where supposedly the Wachowskis had seen her work, which wasn't even really possible because I think l- at the time the, they the, were like 18 and 23 or yeah, something. At the
0: time that she claims that they had put out this magazine article, uh, one of them was 18 and one of them was 23, uh, and was in college. Uh, so, and that's what I was talking about with like, how far does a rabbit hole go? Because like she, that's clearly a lie. She made that up. And there's no way to prove it because, you know, you can't... And
1: they asked her to submit evidence of that yeah. in the court case and she couldn't.
0: And she couldn't because it didn't happen. Yeah. But also you can kind of like be like, well, maybe it was real. There's no way of knowing because they. it's hard to track down newspaper records from the 80s. Yeah. Um.
1: But this whole thing is a lie. Also, how would you even do that? You know, in 85 or 86... If you're an 18 year old or even a 23 year old, how do you put an ad in a nationwide newspaper? Like how how do you even do that? You don't. It's it's once again it is it
0: is manifesting a narrative into reality based on collective gaps in knowledge. Yep. Because when you say that, that makes sense to people. They're like, yeah, it's a conspiracy. They they asked this and they stole the thing but if you think about it if you knew information if you knew that like when you put this into perspective they were kids and that doesn't make any sense and why would they have done that at that time they weren't even filmmakers at the time it, yeah like, they
1: were it, they were gonna he was They were. they were comic book writers yeah like i mean and not even yet they would be another like six years before they started writing for clive barker and doing all those Shitty Hellraiser and Razorline books. The only way you could believe that is if you just looked. If you
0: just looked at the surface level of things and just thought, like, oh, these are like big filmmaker people, and they are in their thirties, so maybe they were doing stuff back then. Like you just, you just have you have to not dig deep into any of these details to believe that. Uh, but the the way that Sophia Stewart in interviews. Co-ops, co-ops systemic racism to lend like credence to her story of like not only like she has a story. It's a total lie, but
1: it rings so true with other things that are that are true where where writers have of color have been ripped off by white writers or Artists of color have had their work, in air quotes, influence white artists. Like the Beach Boys stole all that shit from uh, well, a bunch of people. But specifically, was is it Surfing USA that was um, a Chuck Berry song? Yeah. And Chuck Berry sued and now gets, you know, whatever, X percent. of have st-
0: songwriting credit on it.
1: Yeah. Um, Which is hilarious because this – so it's The Matrix and The Terminator are the two movies – that she claims were stolen from the third eye, but the Terminator was stolen from a Harlan Ellison Ellison story and Harlan Ellison sued (laughs) and his name is on the fucking movie. But
0: that's just an example of a white guy who did the same thing as her, but was, but was given the coverage and the, and the acknowledgement because he's a white guy Yep, and because she's a black woman or a, a, a woman of color, uh, she these things are being hidden it's 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 all part of that it's like it's this uh suit of armor or this like self insulating uh narrative where you can't poke holes in it because there's always an excuse
1: for like and if why. there's not a, if there's not a direct excuse, then there's a subtextual like, oh of course you don't believe me because x y z you know r- racial relations or you know, the corporate overlord thing or, you know, you're just an asshole and you don't believe me even though I totally did write this book. The thing that is so bizarre to me about her and kind of endearing is that, so The Third Eye was written in supposedly whatever it is, 83 84. She has since self-published The Third Eye. Awesome. Fuck yeah. I... And I'm sure a lot of other people would ironically buy The Third Eye to read it. The bizarre aspect of this, though, is that the book that she published that has the title The Third Eye is not actually her book. It's 50 pages of the book. And then the rest of it is just court filings, documents, correspondence she had with the FBI where she was trying to get them to help her. And then they ultimately were just like, go the fuck away. Like, it's so bizarre that you wouldn't just publish the thing and then let people i mean obviously she's a liar she's making this ob- obviously but it's still it's just it's another level of weird you know what i mean like if this was your persona because it's it's all part of it it's like it is it is the, it absolutely is the yeah. quote
0: which is so emblematic of the entire thing and and what she represents that quote of, it's all about the Benjamins, but it's but it's also all, all about but justice. But It's or also about, all about justice. That quote is such a, a a a synecdoche or like a microcosm of this whole thing because it's like it's a it's a statement that immediately contradicts itself. It makes no sense whatsoever, and it accomplishes two opposing things in one so it's like if you want to say two things and have them both be true even though they completely contradict each other so you can satisfy two different groups of people you just say a thing that completely contradicts itself but say it with such confidence that and when people challenge you just ignore them then you get everything. You 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 control the narrative. You become the master of reality, which if is exactly
1: just, what's happening in the country right now.
0: Yes, you just say two things that you want to be true, and you don't give a fuck if anybody points out that they contradict. And then you won because nobody's going to do anything about it. And that's the that's this quote, the thing she said. It makes no sense. What do you mean? She says it's all about the Benjamins but it's also all about justice. What, yeah. does, what does that mean? Yeah, It's all about the Benjamins is an absolute statement, but then you immediately contradict it by saying it's also about something else. So you're kind of like, it's like this weird self-insulated statement where you're saying that you Oh, you're owed money, and that you deserve the right to this. But at the end of the day, if you lose the court case, or if people find out that you lose the court case, then. But it's all about justice. It's like it, it's like you can't win. There's no way of arguing against something that powerfully crazy, and that's this whole thing. And when this uh, this this podcast uh, that I had watched, like it's mesmerizing to watch her talk. The way that she. Answers a question by starting to talk about it, then completely jumping to a different subject, getting lost in this circular logic to the point where you forget what you originally asked, and then she ends it in this like punctu- this punctuated way of like, I just answered your question. Even though I changed to three different subjects, rambled on for 10 minutes, didn't answer your question at all but I said it and ended it as if I answered your question in a really definitive way and if you really are not taking that person to task and really not like challenging them you're just like oh yeah like you you can be strong armed into accepting it and then she's won and like in this interview like she's she said that she was engaged to Muhammad Ali for three years <laughs> From 1980 to 1983, she was engaged to Muhammad Ali, and he was a close personal friend of hers, and he—and she starts talking—this is this is talking about the Matrix, and then she starts talking about how she showed Muhammad Ali her book, and he loved it so much that he framed every page of it, and every page of her book is hanging in his mansion to this day, and, like, they could have been married, but it just never worked out— and like – but he was – she was always a close personal friend of her his and he told her about every marriage he ever had. She was the first to know whenever he wanted to propose to his wives and he was – and she was the first to know whenever he was deciding to divorce them. And it's like
1: he's dead.
0: So there's no way of ever – Yes, there is.
1: Well, there, there, there's – there definitely is ways of authenticating it and it's called the, the bullshit test. But not in a way that
0: a person – like because this – once again, I, I, as much as I want to, I don't want to call this podcast out, but this person is the prime example of an enabler of this type of thing because she is eating up every single one of these things and just taking it all at face value. And if you go into the comment section of this podcast then your mind just totally just sinks into the ground because you see people being like, these are all lies. What are you? This? Why are you giving this person a platform? And then this person going in and like defending this person and going through all these things of like, how, like, because this is the thing. Sophia Stewart, she says that she won a billion dollars in this case. And the reason why it's not national news is because Warner Brothers has suppressed it. And not only that, but... She is the owner of the Matrix and the Terminator franchises. She owns them. So all of the money from those franchises goes to her. She is the owner of them. But the Warner Brothers and Fox won't publicly acknowledge that she's the owner of them. Uh, And they own all the media news sources so they can suppress the story. But she owns them. And so she she comes onto this podcast as the she's introduced as the owner of the Matrix and the Terminator, and she wrote a book called The Matrix Four.
1: Oh, I know. We're that's that's we're, yes. We're gonna get there. We're gonna get there. I, and well, we won't talk about the book, but just in people in
0: this in the comment section of this of this podcast being like, these are this lady's lying. Why are you giving this forum? And then this person being like she wrote a book called The Matrix 4. Like you can't just write a book. You can't write an official published sequel of something unless you owned the franchise. And if she didn't own The Matrix, she would have gotten sued the moment she published this book. So just you, this person just feeds off of gaps in knowledge of just like you don't know what you're talking about at all that is not true at all the matrix the um, the major matrix is just a word y- you could i could publish a book called fucking matrix seven
1: and it's within my rights to do that yeah but also the book specifically has keanu reeves face on it and yeah she could get sued <coughs> for selling that book but she's not going to because it's sold like 12 copies to people who are weird conspiracy theory buffs who are just like, whoa, I want to read that. Yeah, nobody gives a fuck about it. Yeah. It's too small. She's not actually making any money. Yeah. Which is a nice dovetail into one of the things that I wanted to do was that I wanted to read the Amazon reviews for the three books that Sophia Stewart has read uh, written. First up, The Third Eye, um, which, as I previously stated, is roughly 50 pages of the story, The Third Eye. Uh, And then it's mostly court documents, FBI filings, and other weird bullshit. Um, There are only two types of Amazon reviews on the third eye. They are either five-star reviews or one-star reviews. Most of the one-star reviews are very negative, like, this is bullshit, I can't believe this woman, this is lies. Uh, Two such reviews would be uh, this one, which is... uh, This book is absolute trash, would not recommend to anyone. Author claims that the 50-some-odd, in air quotes, pages are related in some form or fashion to The Matrix and The Terminator. This claim is utter hogwash. Being the hardcore Matrix fan I am, I had to just read this book when I heard about it, given the second 50 pages are just the original scans of the manuscript (laughs) for the first 50 pages or so. Uh, you would think that the author would have taken the time to clean up the typos in the first 50 pages, but no, she did not. After reading through some of the court case and uh, the in the back as well, uh, as reading the in-air quote text itself, uh, I see no relation to the Matrix. So one, I think it's fucking hilarious that she just took her old school, like printed out pages and scanned those and made it into a book. I I cannot overstate how good that is to me. That is exactly what I want this to be. Also, I want to talk about the cover art for the book.
0: (laughs) Because if you had a billion dollars, you you would have to self-publish your thing as a print-on-demand Amazon book where you've just scanned pages that you typed in the 80s Uh, and not hire
1: somebody. Yeah, completely. The other thing that's so terrifying... The cover of the novel, or the cover of the book, is a man standing in front of a weird sea of dunes that has large pyramids coming up out of the sand and a lightning bolt hitting a third eye that is on top of one of the pyramids. But it's in, like, the matrix green, and it's this weird... I don't really know why, but early CG art really scares me. Yeah. Like, this, like you know how there's those, those weird animations of, like, people floating in space? Or, like, weird early computer animations where people are talking and they're like... <laughs> their yeah. mouths move too fast. Mm-hmm. That shit really freaks me out. I don't know why, but it just really, like... And it's not necessarily... It's like- CD ROM encyclopedias from the nineties. Totally. And it's and it's not it's not the the uncanny valiness of a face. It's the, the There's something about that digital space texture. There's something about weird barren planets that just extend into infinity. It just really freaks me the fuck out. This cover is that distilled. It's terrifying to me. It's really scary to me, and I really want to read the book now.
0: This is the cover for uh, uh, The Third uh, Eye? The Third Eye. Yeah,
1: just just Google The Third Eye. Um, The next uh, quote is also a one-star review. Very misleading. I don't see any Terminator or Matrix in her story at all. Using the cliche of the one, in air quotes, and nuclear war were the only commonalities. I bought the hype, and I have buyer's remorse which I feel like that sums it up pretty well. This one, there's a bunch of five-star reviews, but this five-star review is by far the best. It's simple. It's concise. It tells you exactly exactly what you need to know. It's a five-star Amazon review for Sophia Stewart's The Third Eye. And the text is, "Sorry, Sorry for responding so late, but package arrived in good condition, period. She has a five star review. There's obviously somebody that she knows that was just like, "Sorry for being late, but the package is in good condition." The pa- what? This is like when your mom was first figuring out Facebook and she tried to, in air quotes, Google something on fa- on the Facebook wall. Yes. Like, oh my god, I love. Sorry for responding so late, but packaged package arrived in good condition. I want that just tattooed on my inner lip. Like it's so good. Yes makes me so happy did you find the cover painting yeah no it's it's yes you're right it's and terrifying i'll sh- I'll show you something later all right um it's it's so good I want to know who the artist is for that so I can hire them to make a cover for me um, I love it so much uh the next book that she wrote uh that Sophia Stewart wrote is called the Mother of the Matrix, which is supposedly kind of a novel about what we've been talking about—the kind of behind the scenes, you know, the court case, the fallout, all of this stuff.
0: Her three-year whirlwind romance with Muhammad Ali.
1: I don't actually think that's in here,
0: but I wish it was. I think she might have just fucking improv that. Yeah, during totally. My, during that fucking podcast, she's she is a she is a force of insanity. Yeah, her entire existence is just is just id.
1: So the back. Uh, the back cover text of the Mother of the Matrix. I just want to read this. This is the blurb on the back of the Mother of the Matrix, which is credited to Sophia Stewart. Like it says on Amazon, Mother of the Matrix by Sophia Stewart. But this is the back text. In this book, Hanalee Zulu takes the reader behind the scenes of a case that will never... Uh, That will forever go down. It's one of the biggest thefts in film history. In the early 80s, Sophia Stewart wrote and copyrighted original epic science fiction book and script called The Third Eye Matrix. Also, this is not me rewriting. This is full on. This is there's already been two typos, um, but this is her. But that's the thing is she retconned that. That's yes. an, it's just that's it's, another.
0: It's a part of those things where like you just whatever you're saying in the moment is all that matters. And it doesn't matter how much it contradicts everything. Yes. At some point, <laughs> she retconned it to where the book was always called The Third Eye Matrix. Yeah. And now that's what she calls it. Yep. And she called it that in the podcast interview yeah. that I watched. Yep.
1: Yep. Uh, that body of work was later adapted to the screen as the Matrix and Terminator movies capitalize, movies, series and trilogy. So many typos. Um, these movies went on to win four Oscars, many awards, and dollar sign billions of dollars. <laughs> but the true author and creator was hidden from the masses until ABC News broke the story on October 17th, 2003, in her second case in the federal or in Utah federal courts, Stewart won 3.5 billion in liens and almost half a million dollars in attorneys' fees against the California defendants and her former lawyers on September 25th, 2014. That's that's the back cover of the book. That's the back cover of the book. I. I don't, I'm at a loss for words. Because, and, but the, my main question, my main question is, it says Hanalee Zulu takes you the reader through blah, 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 blah. So is she supposed to be, is she presenting it like a book where an independent third party has created a book called The Mother of the Matrix, and that writer's name is Hanalee Zulu, and then she's just too narcissistic or dumb to know that the book is create uh, credited to her as Sophia Stewart and it's put out through her self-publishing wing like everybody knows that it's her so why in this book Handling zulu takes you through but i it's just i i i can't even make sense of the crazy
0: yeah like it, it's and that's that's the it's like that's the point but it's not like calculated no like, there's just people who are just this powerfully insane that they're like they're like pun like inadvertently made, but they're like seeing through the lines of the code of the matrix in a way that you can't Yeah, because you're just not insane and they are tapping into something unknowingly that is somehow this force of chaos that can like, is almost like a secret power of manipulation that they don't even know that they're doing. It's so crazy. And I just, it's like that law of observation where, like... Yeah, uh, the, the observ-
1: observation principle yeah, or whatever. Yeah,
0: observing something changes it, and, like, most people who are self-aware, there's a feedback loop of, like, constantly self-policing. Yeah. And if you just remove that, you, like... You take the boot off, and you can tap into some fucking mysterious force of the universe that people who are self-aware just can't see. It's fucking terrifying. It's insane. Yeah,
1: it really is. The... I just... It's, it's so <coughs> unreal and it, I'm just, I really want to read the book. I need you to stop me from giving her money because I really want to read the book. Like yeah. it's so fucking crazy. It is. Especially cause she's alive and I could talk to her and, and I know that she would talk to me. She would be on, she would, but the thing is, is
0: like, and this is what I alluded to earlier, but like in watching this interview. Like I can't even imagine what it would be like because she's like, she's like a brick wall. Like there's, you can't have a discussion with her. Like this person in this podcast was able to talk to her because she was just basically uh, validating yeah, yeah. everything that she was saying. It was a one sided conversation between a person just rattling off insane shit, and then a second person just being like, "That's amazing." I can't even imagine what a discussion would be where anybody was asking genuinely probing questions that are trying to like make sense of the details and the facts. It would just, it would, I can't even imagine how it would go.
1: I, I, and I, and part of me is like, and what's really, what is the point of talking to this person? Right? Yeah. Like exactly. But also there's a small part of me that's just like, it would be so, weird. It would be weird, and also we could ask her about the evolution of consciousness colon Matrix Four comma cracking the genetic code. <laughs> uh, this is the back cover blurb for her third book: Evolution of Consciousness colon, Matrix Four comma cracking the genetic code. Action takes place immediately after the last two action films: Reloaded and Revolutions. A revolution. Neo is immediately summoned by the Oracle only to be told that he must experience an evolutionary transformation when he re-enters the Matrix. She warns him that his greatest challenge are the new 4D hologram machines that are coming to Earth to destroy him. Only by cracking their codes would he be able to destroy them and save humanity. I love this. I love this.
0: I mean, it's like, it's so funny because she talk, she's like, oh, I'm I'm a master writer that only comes once upon this earth. Which is, she, it's funny because she's saying I'm the greatest writer who ever ha- has and ever will live. Mm-hmm. Um, not once in a generation, once upon this earth. Uh, and that, you know, the Wachowskis were hacks and they couldn't have possibly written The Matrix because they wrote a shitty movie and it's proves that she wrote it. But this makes no sense. What it, What do you mean? Cracks the codes? That, that 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 only can sustain itself as a generic blurb.
1: No, you're, you're on the you're back. Not, of no, a you're book. not getting it. You're not getting it. It's the evolution of consciousness colon matrix four comma cracking the genetic code. You get it now? <laughs> yes. You get it? All right. Cool. I mean, is this a, is this a full book? Yeah, I think this one is like a weird novel. I bet this is just like I bet it's like 15 pages of a novel obs- and then incomprehensible other stuff. stream of consciousness shit. That sounds kind of great to me though. <laughs> like that kind of sounds awesome. I 4D hologram machines? Come on. You don't wanna you don't wanna know about those 4D hologram machines? Come I on.
0: I do. I mean I wanna read it just so I can understand because this blurb as it reads is just like This is not a real thing. This is just a collection of words, and you could never execute this as a real story with details. Of
1: course you could. I would love to see. No, no, of course you could. Look, evolution of consciousness, colon matrix four, comma, cracking the genetic code. Do you get it now? Oh. Yeah. I know kung fu. Yeah, exactly. Um, On all of the Amazon listings, Sophia Stewart has the same biography information. I love this. And this is. So it's just like,
0: this is just even more of a part of the whole. It's grift it's because so it's like good. she says these things about herself, but like I bet she didn't even think of ever writing anything until she saw this fucking movie. Yep. So the <coughs> the standard. She's probably
1: a normal ass kid. Yeah. She was a she, she uses the same. Uh, the, the same biography information on every book that we've discussed. The three, her trilogy, if you will. The Third Eye, a.k.a. Third Eye Matrix, uh, Mother of the Matrix. And the thing I love about Mother of the Matrix is that the front is like a Matrix poster, but with her photo from yeah, when I she was that. like 20 yeah. years old, like just photoshopped on top of it. Love
0: it. The Third Eye, a collection of... Documents from a failed attempt at a lawsuit. I love it. The Mother of the Matrix. Yep. Just a collection of lies. Yep.
1: And then. And then the evolution of consciousness. Fan fiction. And no, 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 no. Excuse me. You have to read the whole title. The evolution of consciousness colon the Matrix Four comma the genetic code cracking the genetic code. I a crazy I don't, person's Fifty Shades of Gray. I don't know which of the three of these I want to read more. Like I I'm. It was so hard for me not to buy them. It was so hard for me not to buy them. And I'm, I'm basically just... But you're morally... Even despite that, you're morally
0: opposed to pirating?
1: Honestly, it hadn't even occurred to me. There's probably a, I'm sure a PDF could. floating around somewhere. I think I know what I'm doing tomorrow. So anyway, Sophia Stewart's biography that is listed on all three of these novels. Child prodigy. Prolific writer. Poet and creative genius are just a few of the terms used to describe Sophia Stewart. By herself. (laughs) She definitely didn't write this herself. A gifted visionary who has received numerous awards for her achievement. What? What awards? (laughs) What awards? A gifted visionary who has received numerous awards for her achievements. Stewart created and wrote... The Matrix and the Terminator film franchises in air quotes original work while attending University of Southern California in the eighties. I don't think she did go to USC. I feel like she's from New I feel like she's from New York, yeah, and then moved to Utah and then moved to Las Vegas. I don't think she's ever lived in California. For the the information that I But she had found- to
0: but she had to have gone to a California school in order to Back up the narrative that she's like a screenwriter. So that's where she went.
1: Right. While university, uh, while attending University of Southern California in the eighties, she received her bachelor of arts degree uh, in journalism and majors in law and psychology from city university of New York, an American writer from New York who is a producer, screenwriter, author, paralegal, currently living in Las Vegas, Nevada She is divorced with two children. Stewart won her second court case on September 25th, 2014 in the Salt Lake City, Utah federal courts and then the briefing number. She put a briefing number in her official biography. (laughs) Like in her her bio page has a legal brief number. This is amazing. And here's the thing. So
0: in the interview with this person this podcaster who interviewed her a major thing that they touched on midway through the podcast was if you people people have said things about this being a hoax but if you do your research and you actually look into these things you'll you can figure out that they're true and she made this big deal about how she did her research and she researched all these things and was able to figure out that they were true. And that's the part that really broke me, I think. Of just a person, because in my mind, it's like I'm saying that. I'm saying if you Googled this for two seconds, you would find out that all this shit is a lie. And she's saying the same thing for the exact opposite reason. She's saying, if you just do your research and Google this stuff, it's all true. And that's the part where I was like, how can two people have such fundamentally different perceptions of the world? And then she goes into the thing about how when you Google it, you know, don't look at the stuff on the front, the first page of Google, because if you think about it, people pay to get that stuff put on the front page. So all of those things on the front page of Google are like paid for to be there by Warner Brothers. And you have to actually go to the real actual stuff, like on the fifth page where the real stuff is. So the, the, the things about the real details of this that are like written up by reputable news sources, those are lies that are paid for to be placed on the front page of Google, even though it's not how Google works, their their rankings are are based on an algorithm, and the paid sponsorship stuff is clearly marked as being an ad, and it tells you that this has been paid for to be here. And the real stuff on the front page, it's that's algorithmically chosen based on a bunch of different SEO factors, uh, you know, how many people are linking to it, and how many people are clicking on it, and how many people are reading it, and all this stuff. And also, a, like, a, a reputability score that Google has calculated to make sure that fake news isn't prioritized or whatever and then if you go into the fifth page then you get all the fucking f- like truth time.org
1: freedom eagle weird geo city yes. sites from like the two thousands. and that's the truth yeah it's undiluted man yes you can tell by the rawness of their like web design it directly correlates to the level of truthiness this isn't just one person ranting
0: about something that they just thought of and just presented as a fact. (sighs) It's depressing as shit.
1: Are there any positives that come out of this though? Is there anything good that comes out of Sophia Stewart? Is there, I mean, (sighs) I don't think there is. There's There's not, there's nothing good other than like, I think at the very least it's, moderately banal you know what i mean like she's not really
0: it's yes it's this is banal nothing this isn't like a thing where like the world has been tricked into this lie or like she had any kind of impact but and i think we'll talk about this later but it's not that this story had any kind of negative impact But it's like representative of something.
1: Yeah, I agree. And on that note, let's take an ad break. (laughs) We're back. Yeah, I, I think you're absolutely right. I think in a lot of cases, she's almost like her story kind of being one of the initial internet hoaxes that really you know gained steam on the internet it I mean it's it's kind of she was kind of the the canary in the coal mine for like living in a post fact era you know and like the way that all of our political maneuvering happens our movies are marketed all of these kind of like conspiracy theories like everything now has a story like this in some way slash is just every world government is now rooted in this type of battling over ideological like just you know whatever it was a couple months ago when mark zuckerberg was talking about how they they won't stop they won't have an external validation for news articles that may be that they, they know are false. They know that it's false, but they don't care because money's being put into the system and made, they're making money off of it. And Facebook makes money off of outrage. And so polarizing content is prioritized, blah, 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 It's interesting how this is kind of the, you know, the gen, the gen zero, gen, gen one of that. Well, yeah, like I said. I mean, I'm sure she definitely wasn't the first, but No, she wasn't, but she was one of the first Sof- that I
0: really was aware of. Yeah, Sophia Stewart, as I said earlier, Sophia Stewart when you lack this much self-awareness, you almost like you like I said, you see you can see some the the code in the matrix in a way that somebody who has humility and is like I can't just like it would be humiliating if I just lied and then whenever somebody caught me I just doubled down on it like they can see they can see things better than somebody like that and it's like there's this there's this uh there's this saying in like law uh you know that lawyers say which is uh if you're drafting you're winning which is basically like as long as you're the one telling the story you're winning as long as you're the one talking and you're the one that's choosing and picking that, then then yeah. you're winning cuz the other person is always on the defensive and even if they're right they are going to be they're just going to be constantly trying to keep up with the def- defense and you are going to have the upper hand at all times and that's like you said the the political landscape and the way that we approach things and the way that things are you know, approached at a massive scale now, there are people who have figured out or not even figured out, but just do, they're just doing it naturally and unknowingly is they just, if you just, if you just lie and you don't care if you get caught or not, and when you do get caught and people point it out, you just ignore it, you can get away with it and people and people are finding that out and doing it on and and it's becoming a bigger and bigger thing every day uh, that people just discover like oh if you lie if you're if there are two sides and one person and one side has the moral fortitude to want to bring the truth to light and get so hyper focused on the facts and getting people to accept the facts that they're always over here in the, cor- in the corner being like, but that's not true, and that's not true. No, but that's not true. This is the reality of it. If you keep them busy over there, you can be over here with all the power. And who cares if you're lying, and who cares if people think you're a liar, and who cares who believes you? You just keep saying it, and you just keep ignoring everyone who says you're lying, and they're over here fact-checking and lost in that, and you're over here fucking ruling the world. While they're lost over there
1: trying to take the high ground. Do you think any of this has thing like, I mean, obviously the correlation to our current political landscape is one to one. But do you think that some of this comes from the fact that over the last 50 years or so, the world economy has become more and more corporatized with mega corporations and, you know, more and more Goliath-esque, and the individual has had less and less and less and less power. And stories like this feed into a David versus Goliath Goliath narrative that people intrinsically are hungry for right now. Yes, but it's not not even just that. It's not even just David
0: versus Goliath or, like, underdog story. It's
1: people's... I mean, I think the racial element (coughs) to that is definitely... A component, yes, but it's but it's like more than that, it is
0: people want to believe that there are insidious forces working in the background to deep, con- deep state conspiracy yeah, to control yeah. things because otherwise, you have to be confronted with the reality that the world is just kind of random and bad things happen and there's no explanation for it and there's kind of nothing you can do about it and between some people if faced with the choice of believing that they would rather believe that there are like lizard people that live <laughs> right. in a second another dimension that are like yeah coming into our dimension, shifting into our dimension, breeding with humans to create a hybrid race of human, uh, reptoid. Uh, and that those people are in the m- most prominent and powerful positions in the world. All of our presidents and Congress people and celebrities, they're all these reptile hybrids and they control every aspect of reality and how things happen and who gets to do what they would rather believe that than that. Like, the world is just kind of like random and bad shit happens. And this is just another one of those things where it's like because of that racial element and because of the underdog story, which is almost kind of an avatar for themselves, they're really willing to buy into this regardless of how far-fetched and completely easy it is to debunk with like three seconds of thought. But of course there's this, cabal of powerful white um, uh, filmmakers conspiring to steal stories from black creators and take all the credit and make their thing because and it and, and the it, it's like I said she's co-opting that because that really does and has happened yes and she can sort of wear that as a as a coat and it like it's like it galvanizes people to believe her even more, and it also defends her from people detracting from it. Because it's like if you, if you said this was a lie, then you're just part of the fucking institution of systemic racism.
1: Let me, let me ask you this, and I want you to think about this before you answer. If you read Evolution of Consciousness colon Matrix 4, Cracking the Genetic Code, and it was really good, would you lose your mind? I thought you were gonna say, "Would you
0: steal it and make your own movie?" Would <laughs> <like, laughs> uh, I lose my,
1: uh, like, what would you do if if you read that book and it was actually amazing? I mean, I also I, the other question I have is when the Matrix Four comes out, which it will. It's gonna come out what next year? year oh, after of
0: course. What she's,
1: is she gonna change it to? Evolution of Consciousness, Matrix Five, cracking the genetic code, or no? Is this, she's gonna say that it. She's gonna say that they stole her book again. How amazing would it be if there were 4D hologram machines in the next movie? (laughs) It would be so.
0: And it just all turns out it's really true. (laughs) It's so good. Um, I would love it. I don't think I would be surprised because, like, one of my favorite authors of all time, Philip K. Dick, who was written some of my favorite books, he was fucking insane. Yeah, he thought that he thought that a person delivered a package to his house, and a little pearl necklace she was wearing shot a pink laser beam through his heart which gave him a vision that his daughter had like a lo- like a like a faulty heart valve
1: and rushed her to the hospital and it saved her life like he was insane. Yeah, but also how much of that do you think is kayfabe? Cuz partly he was a drug dealer. He was addicted to various types of chemical substances. And part of me thinks whenever i hear stories what well, is that is that how he wrote ubix which is is ubix a- oh Vallis. Yeah, Valis is the one where like a, uh, was it a cop or whatever? Or was, am I thinking of the same story? Where my memory is that there's one where a cop showed up on his door, put a beam of light into his head, and gave him a like a shitload of knowledge from an ancient alien culture, and he wrote a a series of three books all about that alien culture. Yes. Um. Uh. Part of me thinks that's just fucking kayfabe. Like he doesn't actually think that he was just a fucking drug addict and was just like, this will be cool. I'll do this. Yeah. Maybe.
0: I mean it, it is cuz when you read his essay about it, he for someone saying something so insane, he's very lucid. Yeah. Uh but also, I mean, I think there's definitely some mental health issues going on with yeah,
1: him. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I love I love old Philip K Dick as well, but I'm I'm curious what a team up between Philip K Dick and Sophia Stewart would be like, you know too bad he's no longer with us. Yeah.
0: Yeah, this 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 broke me, I think. I just just re- comparing it to things that are happening now and just trying to wrap my mind around just the insanity of it. It, it it's it just it's overwhelming.
1: I agree. Um
0: I just really quickly, I want to read this just on the on the subject of post-truth. Uh So, um, Friedrich Nietzsche is frequently invoked as one of the chief predecessors of post-truth. He argues that humans create the concepts through which they define the good and the just, thereby replacing the concept of truth with the concept of value and grounding reality in the human will and will to power. Um... Uh, in his 1873 essay Truth and Lying in Extra-moral Sense Nietzsche holds that humans create truth about the world through their use of metaphor, myth and poetry. He writes, if someone hides an object behind a bush, then seeks and finds it there, that seeking and finding is not very laudable, but that is the way it is with the seeking and finding of truth within the rational sphere. If i define the mammal and then after examining a camel declare see a mammal, a truth is brought to light, but it is of limited value. I mean, it is, an anthropomorphic th- it is anthropomorphic through and through and contains not a single point that would be true in itself, real and universally valid apart from the man. The investigator in such truths is basically seeking just the uh, metamorphosis of the world into man. He is struggling to understand the world as a human-like thing and acquires at best a feeling of assimilation, which is to basically say, you know, as his metaphor is, when... And I've actually thought about this a lot, which is almost kind of fucks me up even more it's like when people are like oh we actually discovered that uh, you know a tomato is actually a fruit and we, we said it was a vegetable all these years but it's actually a fruit it's like we made up those classifications we made up what vegetables are and what fruit are like and so it's like it's such a weird like self-imposed reality of truth that it's like this thing by, by this rubric that we made up, we discovered that this thing we've been wrong about all these years. And that's basically what he's saying is like, if you if you make up what a mammal is and then you go, this camel is a mammal. You're speaking a truth that has very little value outside of the confines of a man-made perception. And all this to say is that, you know, basically what he's saying is that truth doesn't exist. And that just deeply terrifies me. Because people like this that have lack the self-awareness and see that code in the matrix, they recognize that and they exploit it and they utilize it and they and they use it to manipulate reality. And it's fucking scary.
1: Yeah, it's it's basically rending the DNA of existence in two. And on that note. Uh, This has been Deep Cuts. I'm Dave Baker. And I'm Andrew Price. Please sub the show. You can find me online at heydavebaker.com. You can find Andrew online. You can find me on Twitter at
0: robotsincomedy. Robots, letter in comedy. Uh, I'll think of other things later.
1: Yeah. Uh, Yeah, if you want to read my comics, they're all on heydavebaker.com. And uh, Andrew and I are going to curl up now. and uh, Curl up by the fire. Get out our copies of The Third Eye. And read and weep at the same time, in unison. Yes. Yeah, it's going to be great. Uh, Sub the show. Thanks for listening.